0: Hi, I'm Paul Listic, and welcome to Behind the Curtain. everybody, and welcome to Behind the Curtain. This is WGN-TV's Paul Lisnick Today, we are going to explore the new and, and very exciting show uh, that is in Chicago, Paradise Square, playing from November 2nd to December 5th at the Nederlander Theater. I'm going to get to talk to a few of the stars of this show during this program. We're going to play a little of the music. That was some of the music called Breathe Easy, and to talk about that and more. Joining me as and I got to meet all these actresses and actors getting ready for, Um, My Comcast special, which premieres very soon, Gabrielle McClinton, who plays Angelina Baker in this show, joins me now. Perhaps you saw her in Pippin uh, and Chicago and just so many different shows. But today it's all about Paradise Square. Gabrielle, thank you for joining me.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me. So, uh, first of all, for
0: people who aren't familiar with Paradise Square, I have to say I've gotten a lot of calls from people. What is this show? And should I see it? I'm afraid to go back to the theater I was able to uh, attend the press conference. You guys perform five numbers. Breathe easy among the numbers you're doing, man. They're just going to blow people away.
1: Oh, Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's a really special song, and it's a new addition to the show from different reiterations we've done. And I just feel so lucky that I get to sing it every night. And Jason Halland and Nathan Tyson and Massey, they did an incredible job at... Uh, bringing this song to life and making it relevant for our show, but also for the times that we're in today.
0: And it's one of the songs that uh, I've heard the producer, Garth Rubinski say he thinks is going to be one that lives clearly well outside and beyond Paradise Square But, but let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what the show Is about because in fact you're the perfect person To open this show with because you have been With the show even before yes this is Pre-Broadway in Chicago but this thing Had an existence back at Berkeley You were part of it tell us a little bit about What the show is about and then how it all Started because you've been there since pretty much the beginning
1: Yeah I joined kind of I mean it's been Kicking around for I think a decade uh, Larry Cruin who conceived the <laughs> show It was called Hard Times way back in the day and it started in this little black box theater, and I joined about four or five years ago, maybe four years ago. And uh, it's gone through so many different changes, and I definitely think this is the strongest, uh, uh, the strongest reiteration we have of the show right now. And it's basically it's set in the eighteen hundreds, eighteen sixty three, It's exact, and it tells the story of. African-Americans and Irish immigrants living together um, during this period when the Civil War was happening and the draft rights were happening. And it's really about this beautiful community in the Five Points, which was known as the biggest slum in America, and how these people were intermingling and loved each other. And it was so much uh, bigger than kind of the derogatory... uh, 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 what the word am I looking for? Uh, the derogatory uh, instances that people put on them. And it's really about how love really does conquer all and how they uh, uh, really came together during this period. And through all the strife and hardships, uh, the love between these two groups of people really... Uh, Set them forward
0: and talk to me about your character Angelina Baker and um, after you I'm going to be chatting with your partner in crime Sydney Dupont who plays Washington Henry but fill us in a little bit about uh, Angelina
1: yeah so Angelina Baker is a slave during this time period and she is the love interest of Washington Henry or she knows him Joa Joa is his given name uh, and then Washington Henry is his free name. And they are the lovers of the show, and it is that type of love that is young love, that first love. And they met working together, or yeah, basically, yeah, working together on the plantation. And they ended up escaping slavery, but then the problem is that they get torn apart, they get separated. So we spend the whole show wondering if these two are ever going to find each other again. So it's a um, very beautiful love story between these two and what they have to go through in order to reconnect and in order to find freedom. They just want to be free and to live their lives. And uh, it's a really beautiful love story, in my opinion.
0: It, it appears, and of course, I, I haven't seen the show. Nobody's seen the show yet, as we talk, um, because it opens on November 2nd, and we want to have this conversation prior to that, so people can hear this interview. Um, but it's almost as though this show is going to affect people on different levels. I mean, there's the culture, there's the Civil War Abraham Lincoln thing going on, um, but then there's this love story. I mean, it's just, in my mind, I, I'm thinking of all these great series of the past, I mean, be it Color Purple, be it Roots, all these things. I feel like this is going to tap into a lot of those different kinds of emotions and levels of life. Is that fair?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it really touches on everything. Our cast is really big. I think we have 38 people and we have 10 principals in the show and every single person has their own storyline. And uh, it really touches on everything. Yeah. From the love stories to race conflicts, to class conflicts, to, um, Uh, you know, misogyny, the patriarchy. I mean, it really touches on everything. I mean, the lead of our show is a free black woman running the saloon during this time period. And so it touches on that as well. And I mean, there's really nothing that goes untouched. And I think that whether... And also, it's a history piece. So at the end of the day, I hope that everybody learns something. I mean, I'm learning so much every single day from rehearsing this show, and it's going to never stop. And I think at the end of the day, you're going to feel so many different emotions, but you're also going to get a history lesson. So I think it's the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah, you know, there is a five points in New York. That's a real place. And, and Paradise yeah. Square is a real place. Um, and by the way, I want to clear, I've actually had a few people ask me, isn't that Gangs of New York? Yes, that is where Gangs of New York <laughs> ter- place. New York. But I have... I've heard of. I've confirmed with Garth Drabinsky, your producer. This has nothing to do with that. There's nothing about that that part of the the time frame in this. But let me ask you, if you because you you live in New York, I mean, when you if you go down to Paradise Square now, I'll be honest, I haven't been there. What what is there? What do we see? Are there are there ways to know that there was this history that took place?
1: Yeah, they actually have the. Tenement Museum down there. I haven't been to it, but I know other people in my cast have. And you're able to do tours and go through the homes of what it was like for people to live down there. Uh, So the history is still very much alive in downtown New York. And uh, I definitely need to go and spend more time down there. But there is a yeah, a lot going on. They have a lot of tours and, you know, a lot of the street names are still the same. So I feel that when I have gone downtown to that area, it still has that, the richness of that time period in a way, which okay. is really fascinating and it makes it really It feels really important to tell this story um, because you feel the relevance from back then and then today and how they correlate with each other.
0: Well, here's I love history, but here's a little of my historical ignorance. Is Angelina Baker a real character or based on perhaps a montage of different characters of real
1: people? Yes, she is not a real person, not a real person. In my mind, she is a real person, but she is not a real person. Um, And yeah, and I mean, but I, you know, I truly believe, you know, she's based off of all of the stories and all of the incredible women that I've read about who were slaves during this period. I mean, it's uh, easy for me to just tap into my ancestry and, you know, the slaves from my family of generation, generations, I feel that she is um, living in all of these different people from my life and uh, Mm -hmm. other black people's lives.
0: So, I'm going to bring Sydney, your love interest, into the interview.
1: Just know that my love for Joe is different from my love for Sydney.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Gabrielle McClinton, break a leg, break a leg night after night, is Angelina Baker uh, in this I show. You're going to gonna be Michael. fabulous. I can't wait to see you. Good to see you. And here's Thank a little you, musical you. introduction as we get ready. You got it to talk to Sydney DuPont. And if that didn't get you going, I don't know what will. And that, by the way, was actually the part of the opening number of Paradise Square. So imagine the excitement you feel from the first opening moments of this show. Joining me now, Sydney DuPont, who plays Washington Henry, or as Gabrielle shared with us, Joah Henry, his slave name versus his free name. Uh, he's been seen in Beautiful, the Carol King musical. Sydney, good to talk to you. And by the way, you catching Beautiful while it's in town?
2: Yeah, hi, how's it going? Uh, yeah, I'm going to try to. I have a bunch of friends from the Broadway cast and from the national tour, uh, who I've met over the last like four years and <laughs> working with the show, so I'm I'm i spending some time with them and we're trying to catch lunch and and also be COVID friendly and safe. So uh, it's been it's been an interesting journey, but good, good, good all around.
0: Well, very good. And you and I, of course, talked as we got ready for my Comcast special, which premieres very shortly, where you and Gabrielle and I had had our conversation. Talk to me about the role of I I called you Washington, Henry, and she said yes. And Joe is his slave name. So I think we need some clarification on, on how that worked back in that time and what your character's name or names were. Yeah, so uh,
2: Joah, uh, you know, I, I well, we, we should start with the simple fact that um, it wasn't always um, given that the enslaved person would be named by the master or, um, you know, on the plantation, or if they would be actually named by their mother and or father, usually their mother if their father wasn't, you know, able to be a part of the picture. Um, and so in my backstory, uh, he was actually named, from his mother, um, his mother actually named him. So Joa actually has um, a bit of connection to his name, and and, and uh, there's a there's a, uh, a respect and dignity that he has with with his name. However, in order to kind of pass um, in New York City once he arrives, you know, to New York City and to freedom, um, you know, he had to essentially go undercover um, because back then. Uh, anyone, any, you know, white person could take a black person, whether or not they're free or not, and take them to the sheriff's office and um, and essentially get money for uh, for bringing them there. And even if they was found out that they were actually indeed free, um, they still got money. So people actually had businesses and hustles to bring in free and potentially enslaved black people, um, formerly enslaved black people to these uh, sheriff offices so that they could, make some money um so it was a really uh difficult and and shady time so i think washington henry is definitely his 007 you know undercover (laughs) alien it sounds to me like
0: it sounds to me like you just put your message out to the 007 team they're looking for a new 007 it could be you
2: listen all i'm saying is i'm available right after this
0: So Gabrielle gave us the, the the premise of the show and and kind of the thing, but let me take you to another part of this show because where the tension begins to build in 1863 when this takes place is Nick uh, Nixon. She's uh, is that um, Lincoln <laughs> institutes uh, the yeah wouldn't that have been interesting? Uh, Lincoln institutes a draft. But not everybody could go to the dra- – and I'm, by the way, at the uh, when our interview is done, I'm going to play a little bit of a song called I, I Want to Be a Soldier, I Would Be a Soldier, um, and, and yeah. you, uh, you can help us set this up. Talk about that tension in this show of the draft comes, but these Irish folks and these African-American folks living in the same place, but not everybody gets to go to war or is expected to go to war
2: yeah so what 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 happens is essentially the at the beginning of the show there is a real desire from the irish community as well as the german the polish and, and a lot of the community uh immigrant community to prove themselves as, as american and so that allows them to go to um join the war now this is all voluntary right this is a lot um a and, uh, and there were a few um, irish and and other immigrants who did know that they were that there was some kind of um atrocities happen happening um with slavery in the south, especially in our show where there's you know um interracial couples and so there was you know an invested interest in it now the shift happens when um Lincoln like you said um initiates this draft, and this draft makes it really really difficult for for people to um To understand what's going on and and really have an invested interest in it, because now you're being forced to go, Um, and if you don't go, you can be arrested or or worse. So, um, and then they add another uh, piece on top of it, where they say if you have three hundred dollars, which is a year's wage back then, um, or about a year's wage, then you are you don't have to serve. And so then it really shifts from you know uh, to a class. Issue right, and for a lot of poor people who are poor Irish uh, immigrants who were generally put on the front of the line. Um, you know, I, I think in the show we, they say cannon father. You know, used as us like the, the 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 front of the line uh, for danger. And so when that happened, they really really were opposed to it. Now the black, um, you know, free uh, free people or you know formerly enslaved black people in New York City. They obviously have an invested interest in it, right, because they have family members in the South, et cetera. Um, And so for them, they're saying, I would fight if I could. However, back then, they're they're not even a full person. They're deemed three-fifths of a person. So they're not allowed to hold weapons at all. Um, so that was the reason why they weren't allowed to join uh, the draft. However, in Michigan, I believe, either Michigan or Massachusetts, they began um, allowing certain black, uh, black soldiers or black, you know, free people to join a militia. But again, back then, getting from New York to Massachusetts or Michigan meant going over mountains, So it was a really arduous kind of thing and obviously we know sooner or later Abraham Lincoln allowed for you know black people to um join if join the army and honestly that was the thing that kind of saved the war, um, the civil civil war, and leaned it to where we are today.
0: You know the, all the the shows that Garth Drabinski, and he was on our he was on my show last week, and so he's he's responsible for Kiss of the Spider Woman and and uh, the latest of Showboats and and a um, Ragtime, which is one of my favorites. He he gets these shows with with anthems, with power, with with incredible staging, mm-hmm. and it's just sort of amazing. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how this show got. You're being directed by one of the greats as well, Moisés Kaufman. Talk to me about that experience of how you got ready because there has to be tension between you and and you know other cast members during the show. How was all that built during rehearsal time?
2: Yeah, so I have been a part of this process for about almost five years now. And so, you know, it's been a long, long, long journey, you know, starting in Toronto at workshops and, and then in Berkeley and in California and then, you know, a couple of work more workshops and now we're finally here in Chicago and then Broadway. So it's been um a long journey, but it's been a really wonderful journey when you look at it in its totality. You know, I think oftentimes I say to Garth, you know, you're one of the last of your kind, right? The last of uh, producers who are not necessarily going... You know the easy movie or book to movie theater you know kind of uh, uh, trajectory and he's actually doing an original uh, musical with original music with original score with original book you know and all these different things with a 14 piece or you know 14 member orchestra and 30 I think it's like 32 instruments a tuba and you know what I mean and so when you look at the scope of how big the show is um, there's just no one who's willing to invest in that and also you're talking about about race, class, and politics, (laughs) you know? And so to talk about all those things in such a, you know, magnificent way, and it's done so well with that kind of nuance and specificity, it's really exciting. I'm so excited for the audiences to to really see what what has come you know come together, especially with Moses Kaufman and Bill T. Jones, and again Jason Holland and his music. It, it, it just is an embarrassment of riches. Honestly, it's such a I feel really lucky and, and really grateful to be in a room full of giants, especially in the cast as well. Just. A, you know, 18 Broadway shows, um, John Dawson, so many other wonderful, wonderful talents, uh, including my co-star, Gabrielle McClendon. <laughs> and,
0: and, and, by the way, including you. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I mentioned your role in Beautiful, but you were also in Memphis. I love that show as well. Um, yeah, and and sure. you've been in a chorus line, Man of La Mancha. But what's what's a little different, perhaps, about this, uh, I, I mean, unless you have other experience that I don't know about, but um, those shows you step into and they exist. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the creative process. How things changed. How it is that your character Washington Henry did things that led Jason Holland, or you know, writing the lyrics, or or writing and saying, you know, we need to modify this because we're watching we're watching Sydney do this, and something has to, or we need a number here we didn't have before. Was that all part yeah. of this process? Yeah, absolutely.
2: I mean, when I first started the workshop process, my name was Thomas Jefferson, so I was a different president, <laughs> um, and. Ah. It's interesting, yeah, it's interesting because his name has changed maybe like five times, and uh, I think when I first started, I had one song, Um, and now there's, you know, a plethora of a bunch of songs and a bunch of numbers, and, and the story has just fleshed out so much, and I think I'm really, it's been a gift because, you know, when you're working with, such giants, as I said before, um and you sometimes think that they can be really rigid in their thinking and working with Moises he's very very open to the actor and the actor's impulses and and really trusting that the actor does have the highest you know understanding of their character because they're in it, you know um and so he really trusts us, and that is in itself is a gift and then with jason uh you know he over the course you know we did beautiful together. So he actually was the catalyst for why I was being called in. I was in Australia at the time doing beautiful. And um he I got a I got a, you know, email saying, you know, are you interested in this? And then I did a little Skype um audition and then the rest is history. So it's been, you know, an interesting process working with him because he knows my voice so well and so he's like, Okay, yeah, we're gonna hold this note really long because I know Sydney likes to hold notes or you know, or you know <laughs> we'll, we'll pitch it pretty high because he's a tenor and I know he can do it. And and so it's really, really cool to have that kind of um, gift of of creating
0: in a real sense and not just jumping into a machine that's already – you know, turn it. Sounds like the message is out there for whoever, you know, steps into your role after you've done it for a few years on Broadway. They're going, oh, geez, I've got to be able to hold those notes like, like Sydney. This is not going to be easy. Uh, let me also, yeah. the other thing I think is really fascinating. I mean, Garth bought the rights to this show back in 2013, and it's been around for several years over at Berkeley and whatever. So when, but when people go in to see it who haven't done any homework and they just sit down to Paradise Square, they're going to, I think, but you correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're going to start thinking about, um, George Floyd. All the things have been going on in these last oh, period yeah. of years, and think that this show got created because of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think it's so interesting because history does have a habit of repeating itself, right? And so, oftentimes with this show, um, we Without without knowing it, you know, for years and years and years, we've been kind of foretelling the future in a lot of ways um, by re- by reliving the past. And that's why I think it's so important that we do have more shows and also just more... Uh, depictions of history, right? Um, American history. Black history is American history, and etc. So I think that when we have an honest dialogue and we see it for what it is, we're able to then process it in real time and see the, the pitfalls of where we are today and how we can possibly avoid them. I think at the end of the day, what this show does really well, is that it's never low-hanging fruit. Like, it's not on the nose. You're not going to be like, oh, that's George. Oh, that's that. You know, you won't necessarily think that, but what happens is you'll go home, and then you'll start processing and you'll be like, oh, wait, that's oh, is that me? Am I that? You know, and I think it really, like Cabaret and so many wonderful, or even Chicago, really, um, they do this so well when they put a mirror up you know, to the audience, and they say, hey look at yourself. You may not think you know that you're this that you're this person or you're that person but you can really in an honest way connect to so many different characters and therefore question your own motives and be torn between wait who do i want to support who actually is deserving of my support and whether or not is that justified and and, and where does it go astray so I think, I think the power in our show is its complication and its nuance, and I think audiences are going to definitely have conversations after that I hope lead to um, a better understanding of where we're at today and how best to move forward.
0: Well, in fact, that leads me to want to ask you, when people are leaving, you know, ordinarily, uh, I mean, Chicago is very fortunate, we do get a lot of pre-Broadway shows, this is one of them, but usually I have seen the show several times before I'd ever even be doing a, uh, doing this, but of course nobody has seen the show yet, so when yeah. you walk out of a lot of shows, you walk out of Kinky Boots that was just playing here, I had that cast on a few weeks ago, you're singing that mm-hmm. great song at the end, you can change the world when you change your mind, right? There's so many songs, you walk mm-hmm. out and you're happy on Hamilton, you're smiling, whatever. When we're walking out of the uh, up the aisle from Paradise Square, uh, probably other than talking about where we going to eat, um what, what are people thinking? What are they saying to each other?
2: Well, the first thing they're saying for sure, I can tell you what my parents thought in Berkeley, although this is a much different show than Berkeley. Um it you will be talking about the dancing first and foremost. I think that will be on your mind. You're going to want to come on stage and dance with us. That is a hundred
0: percent sure. Um, and Do, do after, we get to I do that, I by the awesome. way? I, I got to do that. Can we do that? I did that in hair. Can I do that with you here?
2: No, you're probably not. <laughs> we have, we're not going to have stairs for you to just walk up on stage. But I feel like with this theater, though it's huge like that, I think it, the, the the set and the, and the dancers and the show, it just makes you feel like you're on stage with us. So even though you may not be actually on stage, you'll feel like it. And I think also, too, you'll be humming a lot of music. A lot of the, the, the music is just so grand and and uh, powerful. Um, and so I think at the end of the day, when you leave the theater, I think you'll be um, humming some tunes. You'll be wanting to dance a little bit. And honestly, I think you'll leave with a smile on your face and feel a bit of hope, I think, at the end of our, of our show. Um, oftentimes, you know, you, you think, oh, it's going to be so rough and sad, but it's really not. It really is so hopeful. And um, and and it finds a joy and a light in the midst of darkness that is so powerful and, po- and poignant. And I think at the end of the day, people will, will leave the theater feeling touched and feeling moved, which is the purpose of theater, to move people, to have them feel and escape, you know? And I think... I think what will be powerful about this show is that you will be able to escape, and then later on, you'll be able to reflect. And I think that'll be, that'll be good.
0: <laughs> well, it goes back to my kind of that George Floyd-era question. Will we also go mm-hmm. out sort of talking about what's going on in this world? What do we need to do? In other words, will we use this message from the 1860s and be able to say, we need to do something about this now, 2021, 2022?
2: yeah i think yeah I think that what we realize is that you know ultimately there is without giving any anything away about the show, but I think ultimately when you see these certain archetypes there's just there, there nothing has changed you know I think Chicago actually says this in fifty years or so it's going to change you know, and as a sarcasm because it's it's so true, and then you can say from eighteen sixty three to two thousand twenty one nothing humanity tends to have a, a way of staying. Pretty much the same, especially especially when we don't um, uh, pay homage to our to our history and our ancestors and the people who came before us, um, and when we look at what they did right and what they did wrong, and um, even even in, even when you feel as though in the moment they may have been justified, there still is um, there is a, a clarity that you get in hindsight and so i hope I hope that when people leave this theater we, we, they do look at these moments and they think, "Oh wow. I didn't realize that I was actually attributing a lot of these um these problems in my in my daily life and my in my everyday, you know, just going down the street and things that I think. And um and I think that this show actually you know, acts as a pen to pop that balloon, um, so that way you can really kind of open your eyes and see. Oh, wow! I've really missed something, and I think musical theater has a wonderful way of doing that and a genuine way to touch people and change minds in a way that that doesn't feel um, intrusive, but feels like a
0: true understanding that begins to form. And and, and finally, I have to ask you at the end of your bio in 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 the program i'm assuming this will be the program people will get to read so let let me clear it up with you now you you, you of course thank your family and friends everybody who inspires you but then it ends with a, a quote and i don't know if this is your philosophy or, or or whether it's a line from the show or maybe it's both mm-hmm. but what you have in your bio it says who am i i am the conclusion of my ancestor's story and i am the prologue to my descendants wildest dreams can you that really struck me and I didn't get to ask you about it when I was with you last. So talk to me about that.
2: Yeah. um, So for me, uh, this role has been uh, complicated um, because I, I remember getting the call for it and just like, you know, he's an enslaved person. And I I remember, you know, Black Panther, it just came out. And so I was a little um, uneasy about playing, you know, formerly, you know, enslaved person. And I thought, ah, I don't know, oof you know, and, so I came into it skeptical, and what I realized um, shortly going through this process, working with Marky Scarley and uh, the book writer, as well as Christina Anderson, our new book writer who's just brilliant, um, is that there is it is important. It's just as important as when we're talking about you know Holocaust survivors and talking about so many other um, oppressed people who have went through really traumatic um, situations. It's just as important for Black people to also speak about these things, because, again, that's the only way we can track the the through line to where we are today. And what I also look at is also through those ancestors and through those, those people who came before me, they were giants, and they were more than anything survivors. You know, after all the adversity, I mean, and that seems like not even the correct word, you know, the tragedy that they really went through on a daily basis and the things that they had to swallow and sacrifice um, through, it, it inspires me. And it inspires me because today in 2021, I truly believe that I am um, carrying that torch in a way that I hope that my children and um, and the future generation of, of my people, um, that they continue to to strive and become dreamers. Um, not just dreamers, sorry, but dream. Um, they make their dreams reality, in a sense. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that that is what what I meant by writing that. It's not a quote per se, but it's, I guess, a quote from me. <laughs> um, and I okay. hope that it, uh,
0: well, it inspires people. Well, it, it's thought-provoking, it's hopeful, and tells us a lot. I think about the great actor Sidney DuPont, who I will see as Washington Henry or Joa, or both, um, at the opening night of Paradise Square. And uh, by the way, Gabrielle uh, talked about the love for her character uh, and your character, Angelina and Washington. Uh, although she said off screen, it's a little, or off stage, it's a little different, but I can understand that. But um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing seeing both of you in the show and break a leg every night, Sydney. It's just been a pleasure to talk to you again. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. I hope to talk to you soon. You got it. And by the way, we're going to we talked about that thing about some people got to fight some people didn't. So we're going to play a bit of that song that represents that battle called I'd Be a Soldier and that'll take us out with you. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you. Have a good day. And joining me now after that wonderful song, I'd Be a Soldier, A.J. Givley, who plays the character... Oh, i got to say the name right. Owen, is it is it Dignan? Or, say your last name, character name for me, A.J. Well, so it's uh, it, it depends where you
3: are in Ireland. If you're on the West Coast, it's Dignan. If you're on the East Coast, it's Dignan. So uh, it could go either way, but I say Dignan.
0: Then that's what we'll do. Um, you, of course, have appeared on Broadway in in Bright Star, like Hajil Fall. You, you've tur- toured around... Actually, you're also in Hunters. We'll talk about Al Pacino another time. That's a conversation. But um, yeah. let me, <laughs> but let me ask you about this character of Owen. Talk about who he is, how he fits in. One of your uh, co-stars has given us a little bit of the plot in general. But how does Owen fit in? He's the Irish side of this equation.
3: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So he is a uh, fresh off the boat Irish immigrant. Um, he's he's uh, fleeing from the potato famine, the Great Hunger, over in Ireland. Uh, His passage was paid for. He had an aunt and uncle come to New York uh, and save up for five to 10 years to be able to afford his passage. And so he's come to America, the land of opportunity to hopefully be able to provide for the family left back in Ireland.
0: And so, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough. Nobody's seen this show yet here in Chicago. That's going to happen soon, starting November 2nd and through December 5th. But we were fortunate enough to have at a press conference, you guys performed a bunch of numbers. And, And one topic I saved for my conversation with you was dance. Now your 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 co-star Sydney mentioned dance, but I, I didn't pursue it because I wanted to because your dance and the work you do in the show is unbelievable, and you worked with the incredible legend Bill T. Jones. Can you talk about the power of dance in this show and and learning all that tough stuff?
3: Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's lots of dance in the show and it is, it's not, it's superfluous. It's not, it's, it's actually true to history. We're, we're, we're in the melting pot in New York city. This is the birth of American culture. And when language doesn't quite do it, or the culture doesn't quite mesh, it's music, it's dance that these communities use to communicate with each other. This is the birthplace of, of tap dancing, right? The amalgamation of all these different styles from Europe and the South and Africa, it kind of blending together to become a true American, an original, the first original American pop music, the first original American entertainment. It's uh, American culture is being born in this time and place. So we have an incredible choreography team, as you said, Bill T. Jones, and then uh, also Hammerstep, who have provided Irish. Specific Irish dance choreography um, to kind of just blend. It's really like rhythm. It's rhythm. It's music. And it's, I don't know, you communicate physically when you can't communicate with words. Um, Mm. Bill is, I think, literally like a MacArthur genius or something. Don't quote me on that, but he is just unbelievable to work with. He has an extremely high standard and he believes you can reach it. Um, I am not... A dancer, dancer. It, like it's shocking to me what I'm doing in this show. I've been uh, <laughs> working really, really hard, um, but I never considered myself a dancer because I didn't grow up doing it. And uh, you know, Bill believed what I was capable of, and and helped push. And and uh, Jason Arenas and uh, Garrett Coleman from Hammerstep, they both, all, all three of them, provided so much support. It's all, everything is based in. The, the, the dramatic moments, like the emotions that the characters are feeling, Bill wants your body to speak in your own language. You know, he doesn't set a movement and say, do this. He says, this is the feel. This is the shape we need. We need something high. We need something big. And you truly collaborate together.
0: Um, it's, yeah. So let me, let me ask you since, since you're not, since you don't see yourself as the, as the dancers dancer and all of that, what is it you think that, 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 that um, Garth, everybody in casting that they looked at AJ and said, that's our Owen Deigman. What is it about your character, your, your being? Well, I think,
3: you know, the, the, I was cast for a workshop in 2018. So I've been involved in the project a long time, um, which is how I've been able, you know, I've had the time to actually train, you know, I've had years to become a dancer. Right. Um, But, but when I was auditioning, they, they were thinking there might be a moment of Irish step dancing and so, you know, I did a little movement assessment and they're like, okay, he'll be fine. And then it just kept growing and growing and getting more and more uh, complicated. Um, so so the benefit of time, I think I think also they wanted it to feel, they want us to feel colloquial. They want us to feel like real people because this is actually what these people were doing in this bar, you know, in this neighborhood in New York, they were dancing together. And they so they wanted to feel like real people dancing. We don't want to feel like, you know, the Rockettes, we don't want to, it doesn't need to be perfection. It just needs to be true if that makes sense.
0: (laughs) It makes sense for the Rockettes. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) now the other thing is, while a lot of this, of course, it's it's original music, original lyrics and all that, but again, in what we got to see in the little press conference, I also heard some strains and little bits of Stephen Foster music. And of course, Foster was a, a person of that time. So is there sort of a blending of the new with some familiar in terms of those who know Stephen Foster's work?
3: Absolutely, and in fact, it is it is original music and lyrics. Um, but pretty much, or not pretty much, every song in the show is based on a Stephen Foster song because Stephen Foster was in this neighborhood, in this time, in this place. It was where he wrote "Beautiful Dreamer." It's where he kind of had a renaissance with a lot more, you know, some of his earlier work. When we look at it from a a twenty 2020, twenty 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 one lens, seems problematic, um, and some of his later work that he was writing while he was in this neighborhood, this amalgamationist society, this true, you know, interracial American utopia, he was, he was writing kind of what became his opuses, you know, and, uh, we, uh, have taken his music. He was writing the first American pop music, right? The first popular music right. yeah. in America written by an American. So we've, Taken his music and turned it into contemporary pop music, if that makes sense. So you can like that excitement, the feel like when we're dancing in the bar, we're not dancing to "Camptown Lady" sing this song. We, we we got a little a different groove to it, even though it's based on the same song. He was
0: like the Madonna of his day. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes oh you bought that all right <laughs> maybe not maybe not madonna maybe maybe more
3: like a uh an adele someone who wrote their own music but uh
0: i was gonna uh, say adele I but i thought well that's british i went my mind went to her too maybe carol yeah, king I, she's I he's going carol going king
3: here in too and i was like
0: oh man <laughs> taylor swift so and, and talk to me a little bit about working with yeah there you go taylor <laughs> there you go britney spear oh we can go on to that so yeah. talk to me about working with Moises Kaufman because he, as a director, and he appears, as you do in my TV special, which, which starts airing shortly on, on the Comcast Network. Um, that's a plug for that. But talk to me about, he's known as an actor's director. What does that mean to you? Well, so Moises
3: has a company called Tectonic, uh, and they, I think they're most well-known for the Laramie Project. But they he created this whole approach to creating theater called devising. And it's, it's a really collaborative um, kind of experience. You, you, he has impeccable taste in people, the the people in these rehearsal rooms are just to a T, some of the, the smartest, most hardworking, most talented people I've ever met. Um, and that's kind of his philosophy is you put a lot of talent in a room and you see what happens. It's very similar to Bill T. Jones, where it's like, what's the potential of what's actually here? It's not uh, he's not dictating what he needs from you, where it's a it's an idea. It's a, a collaboration. I don't know. That's the best word I can say. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: So did that powerful stuff? I got to tell you, I have not question. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. And I'll run it by Moises and see if he agrees, but um, (laughs) I haven't been as excited about an opening of a show really since Hamilton, and this is actually even better than that because Hamilton, of course, was already in New York, so we know what we were getting Mm. here Chicago, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the uh, I'm getting calls from people who are, you know, they're, you know, do I go back to theater? Am I ready? Am I, is it, you know, they, they know it's safe at, at Broadway in Chicago, but um, is this the show to see? And of course, my uh, it's just unquestionably the answer is yes. Just the pieces I've seen of it, um, I can't wait for opening night. And I'm and I'm guessing AJ for you too. Of all the shows you've done, and you've done many, even Hunters with Al Pacino, but <laughs> you've. um this has to be a, a different kind of power and opening for you. Uh, you have to be just as excited as can be.
3: Oh, yeah. We had our first... Uh, uh, we had our sits probe on Monday. So the sits probe is the first time you hear the full orchestra. Um, mm. And we have a cast of 38 actors. It's the biggest cast I've ever been in in my professional career. We have an orchestra of 14 musicians, the biggest orchestra I've ever had in my career. They're all playing multiple instruments. we got to have, like... 40, 50 different instruments being played um, live, right? And to feel that energy in the room, just all of these people collaborating together, and and, uh, I don't know, there's something about being in person. It's uh, it's almost religious, and I can't wait for that final ingredient of the audience to be there sharing energy with us. It's going to be very, very
0: exciting and very cathartic, I think, after so long. Uh, so far apart. It's going to be a heck of an opening. AJ, whose character Owen Dykinen, uh is is going to be clearly one of the highlights of the show. I just know that it is. Uh, I wish uh, wish you to break a leg every night of the show. People people can either, by the way get tickets for uh, Paradise Square and all the Broadway in Chicago shows at broadwayinchicago.com dot com. Don't wait. This is only here from November second till December fifth, and it's going because and it's the same cast, right? You're going to Broadway, AJ. Yep. Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> so Amazing. yeah, February. I think I think uh, February twenty second or so. You open Broadway. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, there ain't gonna be no extensions here, and you'll be re- you'll regret if you haven't seen it. AJ, I look forward to seeing you on opening night. Break a leg. This is gonna be an amazing show. And we're gonna go out. You know, usually it's the last song of a show that that you know gets everybody pumped up. This show got me pumped up even from the opening. So we're gonna close this show yeah. with a little bit of the opening number. AJ, always good to talk to you, and I will hopefully see you on opening night. Thank you, my friend. See you then. Bye. There's a song that fills the
1: air.